Hey, folks, and welcome back to the Theopolis Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Motes, and I'm joined today by Paul Buckley and John Ahern. These two men are uh, really the backbone of music education that's happening here at Theopolis, both both during our fellows program and occasionally during our intensive courses as well. Uh, John Ahern is a graduate student uh, getting his PhD in musicology from Princeton University. He also is a substitute organist for the Princeton University Chapel from time to time. And John, as I said, teaches music here at Theopolis. He's uh, also an excellent writer and has written many pieces for us, which will be linked in the show notes. He also blogs over the Ad, Ad Fontes Journal, which we have also linked to. John, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. And uh, Paul Buckley holds an MDiv from Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia, and he's the teacher of music and psalm singing for us here at Theopolis. He's also an excellent writer on music, and I have linked to some of his pieces uh, both on our blog and elsewhere in the show notes. Paul, thank you also for joining us. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you guys. Uh, last year, we had a lot of fun doing what we called a Christmas bash, where these two fellows uh, did their uh, gentlest bashing of bad or troublesome Christmas carols and hymns. And we also followed that up last year with an episode on Christmas uh, music recommendations to kind of soothe the wound, uh, which we're going to be doing again this year. Uh, so, John, I'm just going to turn it over to you. What is the first carol or hymn that you're going to be bashing? Well, that was so abrupt. I, I you know, I love <laughs> playing the role of uh, of snob. Uh, I'm happy to play that role. Uh, but I should like start off by saying most Christmas carols are really good. Like I, yes. I was also I was looking through, you know, lists of Christmas carols. And, you know, when we're talking about real Christmas carols, not like um Silver Bells or, you know, Slade Ride or something like that. Yes. Most Christmas carols are really wonderful. And I, I have, well, and I don't know if they're wonderful. Uh, honestly, I'm completely, I've lost all objectivity. <laughs> I just like a lot of them. Um, but let's see. Uh, the first one I'm going to bash today is uh, We Three Kings. Uh, and, and there are, you know, some pretty straightforward reasons. As I've heard it said, I think maybe even Peter has said this before, Peter mm-hmm. Lightheart. Uh, we three kings of Orient are, well, they weren't kings and they weren't from the Orient. Um, so it's sort of right out of the gate, we're 0 for 2 um, in terms of, you know, fairly basic information that we should be communicating. And there are so many other good um, king carols, good epiphany carols. Uh, this particular one, it, uh, yeah, it leaves something to be desired in terms of accuracy. It's not the most exciting poetry. It is. It is sort of fun and theatrical to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was personally ruined for me as a teenager when somebody saying we three kings of Orient are tried to smoke a rubber cigar and I could <laughs> never get that out of my head. Maybe that's why I'm just bashing this because um, it was ruined for me and that's just a personal thing. Uh, the, you know, the, the music, um, if, if I had to characterize it, it's not a badly written tune, but it's um, it's, it's kind of 19th century parlor music in a way. It's got this lilting 6-8 rhythm mm. uh, that, that's very informal sounding. Um, there's not really any solemn way to do this, uh, this hymn. It sounds, it sounds LARPy is, is basically what I'm going for. It sounds a little bit like you're, you're dressing up as one of those kings that's from the Orient and you're singing it as you sway back and forth, shoulder to shoulder with mm-hmm. your, your king buds. Um, so, and these are all fairly subjective reasons to dislike it, except for that first one, which is which is pretty big deal, right? I mean, they aren't kings and they're not from the Orient. And there weren't three of them. 
Oh, there weren't. Does it not say that? <laughs> I, I know their names. <laughs> oh, right. Yes, and we may we may or may not know their real names. Um, the, the other thing to be said is that there are so many fun, kid friendly alternatives if you want to sing about the kings like um for instance Perizin and Hodier from Pie Canciones I think in English mm. that's often um on this day earth shall ring dum 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 and that's that's super fun it's yes. it's almost rowdy but um it's not it's not kind of uh, it's not parlory in the way that that this particular tune is um and that, and like I said, that one's kid friendly. Talks about the frankincense, golden myrrh. Um, it's got lots of fun repetition. You you can really belt it out. Um, and I'm sure there are many other. That's just the one that comes to mind. Many other alternatives for um, the magi for the kind of epiphany side of Christmas. But yeah, that's that's what I'm going for with my bash. Can I offer just a little bit of pushback? Of for, course. On, with, um, I wonder if. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take the point about the kings. I wonder whether the Orient objection is being pressed too far when it may mean nothing more than from the East and, you know, not from, not from the Far East. Sure. Orient just in the sense of, of East. Uh, and if that's the case, then it certainly is accurate. They are wise men from the East. Yes, um, that's quite right. And... Um... You know, Oriens is just a Latin word for for East. Absolutely, I think that that has the purchase that has in modern English is a little different. I think, um, sure. You know, so that's there's that potential whole problem yeah. that you're confusing, and you know, what whatever. Yes, you're right that that in its original um, denotation, it probably meant nothing more than that they were literally from east of east of where the speaker was right um the other the other, you know i i wouldn't use um i don't think i ever have used we three kings liturgically i've certainly yes. played it any number of times in children's pageants um and if you can find it online i don't know if it's online dave barry wrote a very miami herald uh humor columnist wrote years ago a piece a nostalgic piece on, you know, playing one of the three kings in the nativity play every year. And um, at least the last time I read it, which was a long time ago, it made me laugh, might be worth looking up. Um, but I was going to say that We Three Kings at least takes a stab at offering a theology of the three gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't have the carol right in front of me, and I don't know how it would square with a uh, sort of Theopolitan reading of the three gifts right off, but it, at least it does take, um, um, make some effort in interpreting those. Yeah, it's almost like the first American popularized Christmas carol huh. or Christmas hymn. It does have the sound of like a, a good bar song, which is a good thing in my mind. But I, I do find it's awkward to sing it in church. I spoke last year about how there are some Christmas songs that are fine outside of church, but awkward in, a, in the Lord's service. Maybe this one fits into that category. <laughs> do, do, you have, do you have anything else readily at my, in mind that you would say uh, is in that category? It's one of those things where if you're in holy space, all of the senses are turned on to things that are troublesome with lyrics and all of that. Mm -hmm. It becomes a folk carol to me once we're, in my living room, just kind of singing around. Yeah. And so even things like 
Oh, Holy Night or Silent Night that I'm not the biggest fan of, they become fine in those contexts, um, for me at least. I would like to recommend one recording of We Three Kings. Please. <laughs> I can't remember whether this was one of the albums we talked about last year, but um, Robert Shaw did uh, an album that's all a cappella called Songs of Angels. And uh, there's the arrangement that he and Alice Parker did of We Three Kings. And uh, so this is not so much a comment about the carol itself, but it's a, um, the performance on there is a splendid example of a choir singing more than just syllables and notes. Uh, that even if you find the music a little bit campy, boy, they do a beautiful job, especially on the refrain. They mm. really do sound like they are looking at a star of wonder. There's nothing prosaic about it. So I don't, I don't know, Paul. I don't want to listen to it and end up liking the song. So maybe I shouldn't <laughs> yeah. listen to it at all. I'll add my my two cents. I believe that I added last year. Uh-huh. Some of these, not all of them, but some of these will be tunes that maybe we're okay with in a different context than liturgical worship. And so, and maybe some of them we're not okay with in any context, but I could see we three Kings being one where, um, you know, I have a bunch of people over at my house for a meal and we're singing a bunch of carols. We have drinks in our hand and that could be a, a real fun one to kind of romp through. Um, I, I do feel uneasy when that is sung uh, seriously in a worship service because of the reasons that John mentioned. Um, Paul, what's your first bash today? Well, um, I think that John and I are both planning to uh, do a bit of bashing on um, the first Noel. And um, again, because it's mid-December and I'm in a good mood, I'm going to be like I was last year. I'm I'm a a relatively gentle basher. But um, of the the English carols that are are well-known, I feel like um, the first Noel is one of the... um, the weakest. I do have a couple of positive things to say about it, but um, for one thing, um, it always feels to me, uh, this is one of those carols that basically rehearses basic facts, but it seems to take um, a long time to say what it has to say. So for example, in the first verse, the first Noel the angel did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. In fields where they lay, keeping their sheep. So we get the repetition of in fields where they lay. The repetition isn't bad uh, per se, but this doesn't seem to be very purposeful or meaningful repetition. The other thing that happens with the text is that um, so often um, you end up singing uh, stressed syllables, what would be unstressed syllables if we were just speaking the lines in a stressed way. So, for example, um, this star drew nigh to the northwest, um, or um, shining in the east. I mean, these are prepositions that would not otherwise be stressed, and that, to me, gives it a bit of clunkiness. (laughs) Well, yes, uh, the, the things you mentioned, I also think about the in terms of the way that the music interacts with the text, it's a bit strange. Um, you know, I mean, like, you know, I, I have a fondness for this tune, despite the fact that I am, like Paul says, going to do a gentle dash of it. But it is always, uh, you know, it, I can't sing it without kind of grinning or laughing a little bit to myself because, you know, um, 
it, it's not the typical hymn where there's a sort of, uh, there's a sort of um, standard number of syllables every single line. Sometimes there are a great many and you have to do a lot of was to certain, uh, you know, you're, you're going to suddenly do a lot of uh, syllables in a given bit of melody. And then other times you really stretch it out. Um, uh, I can't think of a line off the top of my head where you're, you're sort of, you're spreading the, the syllables over as many notes as you possibly can, but that happens quite a bit. And, and that elasticity is, again, that's not a problem. Uh, you know, for instance, in a good hymn, like for all the saints, you get that, that sort of phenomenon where the, the, the prosody is a little bit elastic with the melody, but in this case, it does start to feel a little bit, um, un, you, you know, not very thoughtful the way that, that it's been approached. Then the music is what sort of is, is troublesome to me on this one because um, actually I think the music is, is in a way fine. Um, I don't have any serious complaints about it, uh, but it is re repetitious and repetition. I'm usually a big fan of, but uh, in this case, you know, the melody is, I mean, the, the whole melody is really the, the first phrase repeated three times. And then the final, the final third time uh, when you sing Noel, 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 um, it's there's a slight difference in the middle, like there's a slight uh, differentiation of the melody. But for the most part, it's literally just a repetition of the same melody three times in a row. If you sing it to yourself right now, you pause the podcast and sing it, you'll discover it's just the same thing three times uh, with a slight variation at the end. And then when you get to the end, you end on the third scale degree, which is uh, cool, but a little less than satisfying sometimes. You know, da, 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 da. you sort of feel like you need a little bit more uh, af after that. Um, and again, all of these things are are fine and okay. The where this um, gets dangerous is the fact that almost every hymnal or carol book puts this in D major, and the way that mm. the melody works, you're hanging out on the high part of your your vocal tessitura for the whole song. And it's the same, I mean, like, like I said, that, that melody is the same melody three times in a row. It's like the same phrase three times in a row. And that phrase hits a high D, um, what, three times during, wow, it's very Trinitarian. Maybe this is in fact a great carol, but you hit the high D three times over the course of singing that one phrase so that over the course of a single verse, you hit a high D nine times. And then over the course of six verses, what is that, 54 times? You're just hanging out on that high D. And if you're um, anything other than a soprano or a tenor, um, it's just exhausting to sing this. And like Paul says, it takes its merry mm -hmm. time. It's a very desolatory um, text. So all of that ends up having a slightly grating effect. So uh, it's just, it's not a bad carol, but it's just after a while, a little annoying. And, you know, I feel like we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. We, we got to bash something. And, and so we, we chose something that isn't actually that bad, but yet, um, it's not that great either. John, I, I thought that your big complaint about the melody might be that it's basically a D major scale up and down <laughs> yeah, right. over and over. And, you know, like I said, I usually I'm a fan of that kind of folk simplicity in, uh, in a melody, but here it, it seems to be, yeah, what you said, Paul, is very good. It's, it's not super thoughtful, super intentional, and especially because it, it's kind of a pokey narrative. It just, it takes its time. It's not going very fast. You end up sort of getting a little bit bored by the end. 
I also found that myself and most folks I know grew up singing this for a couple of decades without knowing what the word Noel meant and singing it with all of our hearts. Noel, 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 Noel. Uh, some of us with tears in our eyes, uh, <laughs> it kind of importing meaning into that word that we didn't necessarily <laughs> understand. Yes. John, do you want to say something about the meaning of the word Noel? No, please, Paul, you, you say it because I don't know if I have the etymology exactly correct. It, it comes See? from, it, it's French, I know, and it's... Um, Nouvelle for, for news, apparently. At least no, that's, one, that's one thing that I've read in any case. That, that seems to make sense of it. The first Noel, the first, the first announcement of Nouvelle, of, of news, uh, that the angel did say was to the shepherd. That, that seems to make sense to it. And then news, news. In the, in the refrain, born as the king of Israel. See, that um, sounds very plausible to me, but this is this is a good uh, indication that you should never trust Wikipedia. Because um, uh, <laughs> I saw on Wikipedia at some point that Noel came from the Latin, it, it like went through French, but came eventually, for, uh, ultimately from the Latin um, natalis, like like birth. So, right, I've uh, seen that too. Yeah, but so, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound quite as plausible as Nouvelle. So I don't know, maybe uh, maybe some smart Theopolis podcast listener can settle the debate for us. Um, I was going to say about the melody, too, that I, I, have, I have heard people complain um, that it's boring because it is just basically a major scale uh, that you slide up and down. Um, but it really can be done beautifully. And if, if you hear, I don't have a particular recording to recommend, but there have been a couple of times I've heard a choir sing this um, with, um, with no breath or with, with no breath or seemingly no breath through the first two long phrases and shape it gorgeously. So it, it, it can be done well um, and musically, I, I think, uh, whatever. Um, I mean, I agree with you about the, uh, how it's been pitched in, in most hymnals. I was going to say a couple of other things about the text. Um, the other thing is that um, after the first verse, um, th this is at least true in, um, I think, all of the hymnals that I have. After the first verse about the shepherds, the second verse, they looked up and saw a star shining in the east beyond them far. The, the problem here, and I, I don't think it's any sort of huge you know, theological issue, but the shepherds we have from the Gospel of Luke, the star we have from the uh, wise men, however many there were, um, uh, from, from Matthew. So there's, uh, there's not any record in Luke's Gospel of the shepherds looking up and seeing the star, unless the star was part of the phenomenon of the glory of the Lord um, shining around them. But the star is explicitly mentioned only in connection with the, the wise men. So it's as if these two, th like a lot of our nativity scenes and paintings and so forth, th these two things have been conflated. Again, I don't think it's a huge theological issue, but there it is. The other thing I was going to say about the text, I do think that the strongest verse in it is the final verse and all of the verbal accents line up um, well, I think. Um, but it's the one with, you know, a, a little bit of uh, theological uh, reflection. Uh, then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord that hath made heaven and earth of naught 
and with his blood mankind hath bought. And it's a strong verse. And when when I have had it sung, um, there's a lot of verses I cut out, but I do like to end with that. Yeah, I feel like this is a salvageable uh, carol, definitely, or or more than that. Like it could be, it could be a great carol. You know, pitch it down a step or two, uh, and choose a good arrangement. I think, like what you were saying, Paul, it, it seemed like you were you were implying that um, that melody can can actually be done very beautifully uh, if you perform it correctly, and also I think if you have a good harmonization. You know, if you have uh, there is that wonderful sort of ascent in the um, in the refrain that the ascent of the tenors and basses yes. up nice and high. That's kind of like a canonic imitation of of the melody that you just heard. Um, and you know, if you add to that a nice descant from King's College or something, yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. Uh, so you know, maybe maybe uh, Paul can can clean up the the text underlay a little bit, and we can pitch it down a step, and then have a Theopolitan version of of this carol that knocks it out of the park. Very good. I do want to tag on to something that Brian said earlier, um, and we've talked a little bit about this before, having a distinction between things that you might sing around the fire pit outside or in your living room or whatever, um, as opposed to what you might sing in the context of, a, of an actual liturgical service um, in the church. And it reminded me that um, I used to, I haven't done this in a while, but uh, I used to have a party every year, a Christmas party during the 12 days, which is to say sometime between December 25th and uh, January 5th where people come over to the house. I sit at the, we have dinner. I sit at the upright piano. We pass out the uh, hymn books and carol books and whatever instruments um, were at hand, which in my case was bongos and maracas and uh, maybe a play school xylophone. Um, Absolutely. And um, uh, chimes and sing through all of these carols, uh, good or bad. And have people play them, and you know it's not the way you would want to do them at church. But I, I do, I do commend this practice to, to everyone. Have a party during the twelve days, sing We Three Kings, do it with maracas um, or whatever, and enjoy them. Yeah, well, chestnuts roasting over an open fire too. You might as well throw that one in there. <laughs> and I do, I don't mean that ironically. You know, I mean I think that um, that uh, absolutely like. Uh, Christmas is for singing around the piano. Yeah, I had mentioned to Paul Sufjan Stevens' record from 2006, the Songs for Christmas project. He's he's done another Christmas project since then, uh, in 2012, Silver and Gold. But especially Songs for Christmas has does have that energy of a bunch of friends coming together, like Paul said, uh, around a fire. Everyone's brought an instrument of some sort, and there are people on the record singing flat or sharp there's incorrect notes played but it's so playful and joyful and i i love i was telling paul i love both sides of that with the christmas season i love uh more solemn serious and quiet services and i also love this kind of rowdy playful childlike joy that comes with a christmas party like that i think i think both are necessary and important for the season Thank you again for enjoying this episode of the Theopolis Podcast. 
For more information and for more content from Theopolis, you can check us out online at theopolisinstitute.com. We release new articles every Tuesday and Thursday on our blog, so you'll want to make sure to look out for those. You can also find us on Twitter at underscore Theopolis and on Facebook if you just search for our name. If you've been helped, sharpened, and encouraged by this podcast, we'd really love it if you would go to iTunes and leave us a review. It just takes a few seconds, and it really will help us along in getting our content in front of new listeners. That's all for now, friends. We really look forward to being with you all again in the next episode. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Mm